Welcome to the Wolf Whistle, the podcast that interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Welcome to the Wolf Whistle. Welcome to the 44th edition of the Wolf Whistle podcast, the podcast that interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club. We're very lucky to be joined today by Kevin Keane, a winger from the 90s, 54 appearances for the Wolves and nine goals between 1993 and 1994. Kevin, how are you? I'm really good, Jase. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Kevin, no problem at all. In fact, it's quite interesting because... um, the way I got hold of you is we've got one of our listeners, uh, I won't mention his name, but he's a listener to the podcast <laughs> and he's actually one of your tenants and he said, my landlord's Kevin Keane, I went, get him on. So I, I just hope he's been paying the rent, Kevin. Yeah, well, we're kicking him out in a couple of months, but it, it was really interesting because we went up to see uh, the little house in Litchfield that, we, that we've got and he had a Wolves calendar on the wall, so it was a little bit awkward because I don't think he knew who I was at first, but, but, but but eventually, yeah, we, we got through and um, he's been a really good tenant, but unfortunately we've got to kick him out in a couple of months, so oh. unlucky. <laughs> does, does he know? He does know, yeah, he's agreed to it, don't worry. Oh, I was going to say, he's gonna, if he finds out listening to the podcast, <laughs> no, he might no. not listen again. <laughs> no. Brilliant. So, Kevin, um, we, we, I mean, we'll start way, way back uh, in, in 1982, when obviously you, you, got, you, you made your league debut for Wickham Wanderers but we'll go back just a little bit before um, and really to, to how you started in football um, and how you first got spotted by Wickham. Okay so I, I grew up in Wickham my, my dad was a ex-professional footballer um, and manager so he captained QPR played over 600 league games so I grew up in a footballing family so it's quite natural for me to sort of uh, pick up the reins and, and go with it played a lot of football for Wickham district and school teams um, and then eventually I, I was in Wickham Wanderers squad, who actually weren't a league team at the moment at, at that time, Jase. Okay. They didn't get in the league till probably, I'm guessing, about 1989, maybe 1990. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were actually in an old, the old Ishmael League, and I played uh, three games as a 15-year-old. Um, oh, I was still wow. in my last year, at, last year at school, so it was still amateur. Some people say... Um, I hold the record for the youngest player, but it's a bit of a, a strange one because Jordan and I, I think, played in the league, whereas I only played non-league. So, oh, okay. so that's uh, that's that's where it all started, and, and I was already playing for West Ham schoolboys at the time, um, and eventually signed for West Ham as an apprentice, what's now called a scholar, in 1983 when I left school. That's right, and I believe you made your debut uh, a couple of years later. Now you spent ten years at West Ham. Um, yeah, and to be honest, Kevin, I remember obviously back in that era, uh, the early nineties, when Wolves had played West Ham a couple of times, and, and I, you know, I'm not just saying it because I've got you on the podcast. I, I really thought, you know, you was a great player, and I was actually quite surprised when West Ham sold you. Um, but but yeah. I mean, just just tell me about West Ham because you know you spent ten years there, and you know, obviously you played, I believe, well over two hundred games for the club. I mean, what was your time like there? My time was fantastic. It was a little bit up and down. We, we got relegated from the, the top league twice and then we got promoted back up twice. Um, John Lyle, who'd been at the club for a long, long time, got sacked and then Lou Macari came in for six months. There's probably some of your older listeners might remember that. Um, and then Billy Bonds took over and Billy Bonds was always a, an idol of mine. I ended up playing a few games for him at the end of his career. He became the manager. Yep. And the last two or three seasons I played under him. 
unfortunately um, my contract was up and the, and the club were really in a crisis of money um, and, I, and I really didn't feel like they they wanted to look after me as a player who'd come through the club so yeah. I bided my time a little bit in the summer they'd made me an offer I bided my time in the summer and eventually Graham Turner rang and said come up to Wolves come and see what you think and it was really an attractive time to come there the stadium had just been finished off um, they'd just signed Jeff Thomas David Kelly who I'd known from Planet Wolves yeah. and, and, and me and my wife sat down and thought about it and just thought oh, okay let's, let's, let's have a new adventure let's go for it um, unfortunately, it didn't last quite as long as I hoped, you know, just about, I think, 14, 15 months. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I, I want to come to Wolves in a minute because we've got so much to talk about there. But the point you alluded to, Mike Keane, your father, like you said, a professional footballer and manager. When, yes. When you're growing up in a football household, Kevin, is it one where it, it's it's added pressure to maybe become a professional footballer? Or, or is it, you know, does it is it quite a bit of an incentive, really, that you see your dad uh, playing professional football and you want to, too? My dad was a fantastic role model for me. Um, he was a manager through my childhood, so he managed Watford, Northampton and Wickham Wanderers. He, he was a manager there, so it was just in my blood. Uh, the big thing for me was I had, a, I had an elder brother. I just got one brother who was two years older than me, and I, and I was always chasing to try and be better than him yeah. and, and, and always trying to emulate my dad and be the best, the best I could. So that was a driving force. When I was very, very young, my, my dad wasn't particularly pushy. He let me develop very, very naturally and just enjoyed coming and watching me every now and again. He'd just give me little tips here and there, but very much encouraging. He wanted me to play in the correct way, which is why I ended up going to West Ham, a team that played good attacking football. Yeah. He was fanatical about Ajax, uh, the Ajax team of the 1970s who played that sort of brand of football. So they're, they're my memories of my, my younger age group, and that's a lot of the reason why, even though I grew up um, in High Wycombe, which is quite a long west side outside London, I ended up signing for West Ham, uh, you know, an East End team. Yeah. Now, who was your team growing up, Kevin? Um, when I was really young, this is going to sound really strange as a southerner, <laughs> when I was really young, I, I find that people often follow the team where their hero plays, and my hero was Colin Bell, so I was actually, when I was young, I was a Man City fan, went right. to the, the couple of League Cup finals they played for, played in the 70s, and the 1981 Cup final that's rem, rem, remembered for Ricky Villiers' goal, yes. I went to that one as well, and I always say that Steve McKenzie's volley from the edge of the box was as good as Ricky Villiers' goal, but that doesn't go very, down very well, so... As a as a young young person, Colin Bell was my hero. Unfortunately, he got he got a really bad injury sort of when I was coming up to my teens. So I sort of slowly was weaned off Man City and ended up supporting West Ham because that's where I went, that's where I played, and I'm lucky to have worked there and played there for a long, long time now. And what's it like, Kevin? You know, like I said, you you you'd gone through your apprenticeship uh, apprenticeship very successfully at West Ham and then then made your debut. And, and West Ham are a huge club, and I'm sure you played many games under the lights at Upton Park. What was it like to make oh, your debut? It, it was incredible. I actually made my debut coming on as a sub for Jeff Pike, and we were playing Liverpool, who were the, the reigning champions and went on to, to win the, the league that year, 1986. And Kenny I was lucky enough to work with later in my coaching career. He was playing the you know, likes of uh, Rush, John Barnes, Steve Nicholl, uh, Lawrence and had an absolutely fantastic team. So to come on at Upton Park for your debut against them was was quite surreal. Yeah. Um, and then the following week, 
I made my full debut, so I'd come on a sub there, I made my full, full debut against QPR, which was my, my team my dad had a fantastic career for, so yeah, it was it was really nice to make my, my, my full debut against, against them, and we won 2-0, I don't know if you remember, on the plastic, um, they had the plastic pitch then in QPR. Yes, that's right, yeah, because QPR had one, didn't they, I believe, Old yep. did for a while, and Luton yep. Town. That's it. There you go, now, so after spending 10 years at West Ham, obviously, you, you hit, we'll, we'll talk about how you heard about the interest from Wolves, but but is it a huge wrench to leave that club that, that obviously you've been so successful at? You know, I know two promotions, two relegations, but it must have been such a wrench to leave, Kevin. At, at, at the time, it wasn't. At the time, it was a decision that I made for the good of my football career, my, my family. Um, I felt like West Ham, had, even though I'd had a great time, I felt a little bit... Um, I don't know what the right word is, but I was really disappointed with the offer they made me because I yeah. obviously knew that they were signing players on this money and that money. And money is not everything, but at a time when I just had my son who was only, I think, uh, what would he have been, eight months old, seven yeah. months old, it was a time to think about my family and, and financially and things like that. And yeah. I was so disappointed with the, the, the offer that West Ham made, made me. Uh, it just sort of made my mind up a little bit. And as I say, I came up to the club in the summer and I spoke to Ron Dukes who was the um, chief scout then yeah. and Jonathan Haywood and the manager and it, and it just seemed the right fit at the right time um, and you know I really really enjoyed my time there as well I mean look for, I, that's my era to be honest Kevin you know the late 80s yes. early 90s that's when I started supporting Wolves and it was a new dawn at the time. We'd signed Jeff Thomas, uh, 800,000 yep. from Palace in, in the June. David Kelly come for 750,000 from Newcastle in the June. And then we signed you for, for a bargain, in my eyes, £600,000. Now you dropped a division as well. Yeah. Um, but it was, like I said, it was a new dawn at the club. Uh, and I remember your debut uh, against Bristol City. We won 3-1. And I remember it was a red-up day. There was just finishing building... The South Bank. Yeah. And yeah. It, we won 3-1. And to be honest, we were so excited because in that pre-season, we'd had three big signings and we really thought that was going to be our year. I mean, yeah. you know, can you remember much about the debut, Kevin? I can remember it being a really hot day and I'm sure we scored a late goal to make it 3-1. And when, yeah. when that happens, you sort of have that that moment of relief. You know, we've got over the line, first game of the season, new players. And and I think, if I remember right, we started the, the, the season really, really well. I remember Jeff Thomas scoring a fantastic goal. I think it was Sunderland away. Yes, yes. We had a really, really good run of games. And then all of a sudden, Jeff got injured. Yeah. Um, which sort of, you know, Jeff was a very dominating midfield player. Um, you know, he was a, a fantastic leader. And it sort of just sort of dented things a little bit. Um and we lost our way a little bit um, mid-season uh, through the winter. And at the same time, our FA Cup run sort of kept the season and the momentum going. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, unfortunately, we lost the, the quarter-final Chelsea away, which yeah. I can remember was live on telly. And I, I can remember this quite vividly because we went from um, the Chelsea game, the quarter-final, which I think was on a Sunday live on telly, and we went directly to play Portsmouth away on the Tuesday or Wednesday night. So we went directly there, and we ended up losing there as well. And I can remember Jonathan Haywood on the bus on the way back. He stopped the coach and was said how disappointed he was. Paid a lot of money for the hotel, Portsmouth. We'd sort of more or less dropped out of the playoff picture. 
And at that moment, you thought, oh, I think I think Graham Turner, who was a fantastic manager and a super superman, yeah. um, you know, we felt like his time was was coming to an end because they had spent a lot of money, the Hayward family, and really gone for it in that last season, but it, it just didn't quite come off. I do think Jeff's injury had a, had a big impact on that season. Well, I mean, it's interesting to say about Jeff because that goal against Sunderland when... Um, he picked up the ball in his own half yeah. and, you know, he, he basically slalomed through uh, the middle of the park. Great finish as well. But I believe that was the game he actually got injured in. I think it was yeah. a tackle from S- Steve Howie or Lee Howie. I might be wrong. Um, and it was such a shame because we did seem to be getting some momentum. It was early in the season. We did seem to be getting into a bit of a flow. And like you said, he got that injury. And, and uh, you know, I think that cost us early doors. Yeah, I think that, you know, you look back now and you think of the, the people who were playing, Bully, David Kelly, Paul Cook in midfield, Birchie, yeah. um, you know, Mick Stowell in goal or Jonah in goal. It was a good team. It was a good team. And I just felt that, that just sort of knocked us um, and we just lost our way a little bit then. Such a shame. Now, Graham Turner, um, what's interesting about Graham was, obviously, just before you got to the club, he, he you know, he'd, he'd really picked us up by the... By the sweep yep. of its neck, you know, we had two stands open. And, and when you got there, obviously, the, 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 the club itself was beginning to transform it with the stadium. And, and Graham Turner, to be fair, obviously that was his last season. What, what sort of relationship did you have with, with Graham Turner, Kevin? Really, really good. I mean, obviously, I was only there probably something like seven or eight months with him before before he left. But we continued chatting afterwards when he went to Hereford. They tried to take me to Hereford right at the end of my career. So it was a good relationship. I can remember speaking to him on the phone quite a lot of times. He was a really, really good manager. But I, I always felt that you could, you could feel, even though he'd had that success, that it was this season that, that he needed to, to, to make that push. She was always there, I felt, because the club had spent a little bit of money, yeah. because we were one of the favourites, because of the home support. Um, but unfortunately for, for, for him, for all of us, it didn't quite work out. Yeah, it's, it's such a shame because that was it, really. I think it was that was a bit of a do-or-die season for Graham. Um, yes. And it, and yeah. it culminated, really, that, that we just missed out on the playoffs. We'll talk about the disappointment of that. But So Graham left in, in the March, um, and then Graham... Taylor come in um, now did, w- after after Graham Turner had gone w- when Graham Taylor first arrived was it a bit of renewed hope did you think well maybe this is the change we well, not not the change we need but do you think it might have given some impetus to maybe get it over the line uh, sure personally no no I, I, I felt like the lads were very much behind Graham Turner very much so you had the the, the old troops like Bully yeah. Paul Birch, Mark Rankin, um, Paul Blades, people who'd been there a while with him who were really behind him. And then you had the new group of players who'd come in and were really behind him as well. And I think it was more of a, a, a oh, really disappointed that we, we felt we'd let him down. Um, and then Graham Taylor come in, and I don't know, it just sort of fizzled out to, to the end of the season, in my opinion. Um, maybe I might be a little bit biased with that, I don't know, but that was just, just how I felt. I mean, I mean, Kevin, be completely honest, because once again, you was playing personally, you was playing some great football under Graham, and I loved watching you as, you know, you was an old-fashioned yeah. winger, and, and to be yeah. honest, Wolves, um, obviously we don't really, we play with wing-backs now, but, but look, we've had, a, we've had a history of great wingers over the years, 
Robbie Dennison, Dave Wags. Oh, Robbie was a fantastic player. Yeah, yeah. he's a top player. Yeah, until you nicked his place. I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, Rob, Rob, look, Robbie, what a player. Um, yes. And so, obviously, Graham Taylor, um, you didn't seem to play that many games under him, uh, Kevin, which I was quite surprised about. I mean, what was your relationship <laughs> like with Graham? Well, I can always remember that 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 pre-season. So the, the start of the next season, that pre-season, always in my mind. And bearing in mind, I've been in football since I was sixteen. I'm now fifty-three. That was the hardest pre-season that I either took part in or was involved with coaching. It was so so hard. It was more or less like a um, an athletics camp. Um, we had two. We we did loads and loads of stuff at the uh, athletic stadium in Wolverhampton. I, I, you might know what it's called. Is all it still the there? Stadium? Yeah, near the one near the stadium. It was. Yeah, all the, there's Aldersley Stadium. Aldersley, yeah. Yeah. So we, I, I, you know, your memory sometimes gets a little bit clouded, but I can remember maybe doing as many sessions on that athletics track as we did on the football pitch. And one of the big things for me was through that summer. He took uh, Steve Steve Frogger and Tony Daly, two players in what I would call my position. So yeah, straight away yeah. you're thinking, okay, new manager, he's bought his own players. So you sort of start a little bit on the on the back foot straight away, and yeah. maybe there were some of the, the principles within the way Graham Taylor did things and principles he believed in on the football pitch that I wasn't on board with as much as maybe some of the, n- the newer players, so it didn't quite flow. Let's put it like that. Right. <laughs> the relationship. I mean, obviously, you you was a, a, a if you like a, a touchline hugging winger. You, you know, you did like to see the ball. You could always beat a player, and it, I suppose it is frustrating in pre-season, especially when I'm sure you've kept yourself fit through the summer. But then to run yourself to death, it must be, it must be. You know, you don't look forward to them times, do you, Kevin? No, it was really tough. It was, I've got to be honest, it was really, really tough because I'd only moved up there so for one year with my, my, my wife and my, my young family. So you're just about made friends and then all of a sudden you're looking and thinking, well, hold on a minute, are we, are we moving again? Um, so it, it, I've got to say it was a very, very difficult time for me. Those first two or three months, um, well, last two or three months for me at, at Wolves, the first two or three months of that season under Graham, I've got, I've got to be honest, it was, it was quite a tough time for me, um, especially after the season before where I played a lot of games and scored for me quite a few goals, quite a few assists, yes. really enjoyed it, started to build up a little bit of rapport with the crowd, we'd had a fantastic cut run, um, so no, it sort of was a really disappointing end really. So what's quite interesting, Kevin, is do you think that, that on Graham Turner, we did interview him on the podcast and he confirmed he resigned because there was reports he'd been sacked, but he did confirm that he resigned. Do you yeah. think if Graham Turner would have stopped on, we'd have had more of a chance at the back end of that season? Personally, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's my my personal opinion. Although, you know, when I, when I look back and I can think about, you know, it's still a long, it's, it's quite a long time ago, but I, I can think about it. it. It had sort of come to crunch point. Um, we were just drifting out the playoffs, yeah. and like I say, it just the FA Cup quarter-final defeat, and it just sort of came to that point where I think the chairman, especially, made a. I can remember he made a speech on the coach and. As then, and quite an experienced player, I thought, hmm, you know, I look back now and think that was the that was the breaking point. I would have thought for, for Graham yeah. Turner, he would have been sat at the front of the coach thinking his um, authority had been overtaken a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I, I, look, it's happened at Wolves a few times where we've had chairmen go into the dressing rooms and, you know, you hear that story about the coach and he does yeah. undermine the manager. 
Um, yeah, let's be honest. The, 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 you, you know, every Wolves fan know the Hayward family, the yeah. amount of money they ploughed into the club around that era. You know, even in that January, I thought we, I think we bought Darren Ferguson, Chris Marsden, yeah. uh, Neil Masters, the left back. You know, so they kept kept backing him and backing him. So, you know, I'm not I'm not having a go at the Hayward oh, family. I'm just sort of t- t- sort of telling it how it how it happened in my eyes. Of course, I mean, you mentioned a player there. Um, he's a bit of a court hero at Wolves, Chris Marsden. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, he went on to have a fantastic career with Southampton, etc. And he, you know, that's probably where he played his best football. But what sort of player was was Chris Marsden? Because you know, from the stands, he looked fantastic. Really good, um, talented, technically gifted midfield player with a fantastic engine. Good pictures, saw pictures well, but but could also make a tackle. Normally, those ones who who are creative, maybe people would accuse me of this, but you know, maybe not as strong in the tackle. But Chris certainly was. He was uh, over my dead body. Super player, lovely lad, and and I really enjoyed playing with Darren as well. Darren Ferguson was a very very clever, technically good player. Yeah. I really enjoyed playing with, with with both of those, and obviously Darren's gone on to have a fantastic managerial career. He certainly has, and as a winger, um, you, you know you're only as good as the strikers you're putting balls into. I mean, you, you, the, Steve Ball. I mean, I'm sure he'd rattled, <laughs> he'd rattled a few against West Ham when you was playing. What was it? I mean, what sort of striker was Bully? Uh, when I think of Bully, I can't think of with it him without Paul Cook because my picture is always Paul Cook pulling it on his left foot and hitting a 30, 40 yard ball over the top yeah. of the central defender for Steve Ball to run onto. That's my picture of Steve Ball. It's always connected a little bit with with Cookie, with, with Cookie yeah. And also a little bit with um, Muchy, who, who actually left the pre season that I turned up. Muchy yeah. and Bully together in that league uh, in those couple of years when the club got promoted. You know, legendary. I mean, obviously, Steve's got so many goals, scored for England. Fantastic, fantastic player. Yeah. And, and also. Uh, so I was looking through some of the players you played with. Uh, Cyril Regis, the late Cyril yeah. Regis. Yeah. Um, you know, they lost quite a few. Peter Shirtliff um, came in and played centre-back. Yeah. Um, the other one, big one from Everton. Um, Derek Manfield. Derek, Derek, yeah. You know, there were some really, really, really talented players there was. around that period. And obviously they went on and I think they made the playoffs the following year, didn't they? Yes, now... Missing out on the playoffs that year, Kevin, um, it, 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 you know, must have been really, really disappointing with the squad we had. Yes, without a shadow of a doubt. And I, I go back to, to what I said probably 15, 20 minutes ago about Jeff's injury. Yeah. Really, really hitting the momentum and it just didn't quite flow from then. I think I can remember I picked up a little injury and was out for five, six games. And we didn't quite have a settled team. Um, so, yeah. It, it, it just didn't quite work. Didn't quite work, and that sort. Of, that's how I remember that time at Molineux. Yeah. Now you went then to Stoke, October '94, three hundred thousand pound, and I've got a bone to pick you here, Kevin, because I believe. Yes. I know. <laughs> it always happens. Um, I know. Yeah. You scored against Wolves on, I believe, what was your second match? Um, what, an important question. Did you celebrate? Because I can't remember. I did, I did celebrate because it was in front of the Boothen End, which I think, you know, is one of the great old-fashioned terraces in football. It was a fantastic, you know, I, I love the Victoria ground. It took me back to sort of a little bit what Upton Park was. I always felt the Molyneux was a little bit bigger. The pitch always seemed big. Um, the Victoria ground, really old-fashioned. And uh, first half, I remember Carl Beeston played me in. 
and I took it first time uh, past Dowley and just went just went over to the fans because I, I think I said earlier that, that those last two or three months for me at Wolves were tough yes. under Graham Taylor. They were they were really really tough and sometimes you get a bit emotional and we we um, it's nice to. It was my home debut. It was it was fantastic to score. Although I definitely remember Wolves got an equaliser. Was it Ned or Bully score? I think Bully probably. No, I mean, we, the game game finished one one. <laughs> game finished one one. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Now, um, to be honest, at Stoke, I believe you played over two hundred games. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, did you enjoy your time there? Because was you there actually when they moved to the Britannia? Because, yeah. Okay, so you, you you was in that transitional period. Yep, um, I mean, I was at Stoke for, for six seasons. I had seven different managers. Um, <laughs> the club got relegated in my last but one year from the Championship to, to League One. Um, I had a fantastic, fantastic time there. When you when you think you know, it was very up and down. Lots of different managers. I think the the big thing for me was a, a relationship with the crowd who, who appreciated the, the hard work and endeavour and creativity I brought to the team through a really really tough period I, I get so many Stoke supporters um, stop me and say you know I thought you were fantastic in those time and thank you for all your effort um, I much preferred the Victoria ground to the to the new one but um, times move on and you, you have to you know try and keep going with the, the times don't you as, yes. as Wolves have done over the last couple of years with their amendments to the stadium so no I, I enjoyed my time there I found it very much a working class club um, people wanted to all chip in um, loads of different changes played a lot a lot of games just created a few goals scored a few goals and yeah. I did enjoy it yeah and then you went to right at the end of your career uh, Macclesfield Town so you leave you know you left the league did you feel Kevin that you, you perhaps left the league too early because you know looking <laughs> back you know, so I'm going to correct you again, Jay. So Macclesfield were in League Two. Oh, sorry. It's all right. It's not sorry. So you had Wickham in the league and Macclesfield out. I haven't been doing my own work here. I mean, you... no, you've done really well. Okay. No, they were in League Two. They were in League Two. Uh, Peter Davenport was the manager at the ex-Man U play. Yes, yes, of course. Um, they'd won the the conference a couple of years before. It'd been yes. one year in League Two. He rang. I was out of contract at Stoke. They didn't renew my contract uh, because Brian Little left, and they brought in an Icelandic manager, Gudrun Thordeson. And Gudrun Thordeson, one of the first things he did was sign his son, who was a right midfielder, which just happened to be my position. So, <laughs> all right. So, so my contract wasn't renewed. So I ended up spending the, the last couple of seasons of my career, 34, 35 years old at Macclesfield on the Moss Rose um, played over 100 games and then ended up a couple of months as the caretaker manager yes. um, which sort of started my progression onto my, my coaching career I mean, I mean Kevin you must be extremely proud of your career over 500 league appearances you must be able to look back on it with immense pride um, yeah I'm proud of the way I conducted myself the way I tried to play the game um, I look back now and realise that Actually, I was a really fit, um, bright footballer. At the time, you just go out and play. But in hindsight, you think, well, actually, my fitness was a bigger strength than I ever thought it was. The little things like that now that you, you know, I've been in coaching so long. Um, yeah, I, I am proud. But also, there's, there's disappointment. I never won a trophy. My, my last trophy I won was the Reserve League for West Ham. So I spent all my time, all those games, you know, those 500 league games, 600 in total. 
and I think I, we were runners up at West Ham twice in the yeah. championship but you don't get a medal for that oh. um, Stoke won the auto windscreen trophy at, at Wembley but I broke my wrist about three weeks before it so I didn't play in the final so it, it's tinged with yeah I'm proud I've played a lot of games and that's fantastic but there's always that little bit of disappointment you always think you could have done yeah. a little bit better well, um, obviously, now you're in your, doing your coaching. Uh, you've been actually West Ham caretaker manager three times, Kevin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, so, obviously, managers get sacked. Obviously, you get called in. At any point, do, do you think maybe that you, you perhaps would have got the job or been given a go? Or, you know, does it work like that? No. Uh, I mean, when I finished at Macclesfield, um, I went back to West Ham as a, a youth coach and then slowly made my way through to the first team. Um, and then Alan Pardew got sacked. I was caretaker manager for one game. Alan Kerbishley got sacked. I was caretaker manager for one game. And Avram Grant got sacked. I was caretaker manager for one game. And uh, Not in one instant. Maybe the last one. Uh, the club got, had got relegated under Avram. Uh, so they'd gone down to the championship. And I, I made a little bit of a, a play to try and get the job. But talking about bringing back West Ham traditions, yeah. playing young players, um, but uh, that didn't quite come off, and they went for Sam Allardyce instead. So they went for the complete polar opposite to me. They went for an experienced manager, and it worked out because he got the club uh, promoted back into the league. I, I actually left at that time and had a, a year with Liverpool, which was fantastic. Then had a couple of years at West Brom, a year at Reading, six months in India. So I, I'd done the rounds a little bit and, and I've come back to my first love to West Ham to take the youth team again over the last couple of seasons. Brilliant. And how's that going, Kevin? I absolutely love it. Um, there's, there's less pressure. There's less pressure. There's not that three o'clock Saturday afternoon shouting and bawling at referees and... Um, really worried about the result and how the chairman or the director of football is yeah. going to think that the game's gone and worried about your job to like I say the, the club that I've now spent over 20 years were playing and working for that I love I love the way we try and do things I've got my own little under 18 team that I try and make sure they do it the West Ham way yes, yes the results matter they do they do matter um, but nowhere near the, the extent of pressure that you get at first team level. And, and I think, yeah, at first team level, I think, you know, most managers uh, are four games from getting the sack. And But with yes. the youth team, yes, you, if you have a couple of bad results, you can bounce back from it and you, you can actually start building something, can't you? Definitely. You, you lose games with the youth team, you look at the video and you can explain to players where we went wrong, what we can do better, can we do it better next week. We have some fantastic fixtures. Um, you know, we play Chelsea, Arsenal, uh, West Brom, Aston Villa. I think Wolves are still in the northern section, um, so we don't actually right. play the Wolves. But, you know, some, some fantastic fixtures. And then you have the FA Youth Cup as well. So there's some really, really good games for young players to get their teeth into. And then you get the the pride of being able to see players come through in in my first stint um, at West Ham when I was 35, just retired. Um, in my first under-15 team was a lad called Mark Noble. Wow. So that 10 years I spent gradually going from youth team manager to reserve team manager, first team coach, Mark Noble spent that journey with me. And, you know, to, to, to look at him now as this lad who's played over 500 games for the club, 
is just you know immense you know i'm so proud of him and to have been a small part of that journey at the very start of his life yes you know it brings a lot of pride and, and what a career mark's had by the way i mean he has been an unbelievable player for west ham he's been a real talisman people people don't understand the effect that these players have in the changing room around the building at training every day he's not just a performer on a saturday afternoon um his personality around the place is is you know people don't know unless you know him personally but he's such a west ham person he's been absolutely fantastic and and just to go a bit off piece with this really kevin with West Ham, um, you know, obviously they left Upton Park where they had so, you know, such great tradition and they went to the Olympic Stadium. I must say, I think it's a fantastic stadium. Um, yeah. There's been talk over the last few, you know, couple of years at Wolves, especially where they've been going or that they, they may be moving, etc. And, and the fans don't want it. How, how difficult was that, a, a transitional period to leave Upton Park where, where you personally as well had so many fantastic memories? Yeah, I mean, for a lot of old players, Upton Park was this really special place, especially on a Tuesday night with the lights on, um, the atmosphere there, the closeness of the crowd, everything about it was absolutely fantastic, and especially for an older generation and an older generation of supporter. Yes. But I think, as I said earlier, you know, clubs have to move on. You know, you've gone from a, I think it was 32,000, somewhere around that, to near 70,000 and the amount of season tickets they can sell and this produces more profit they can invest in better players um, I've had an email around today they've, they've uh, reconfigured some of the, the seating so I think the seating's got a little bit nearer the pitch and things like that oh, so the, the owners are, are trying really really hard yeah. to try and get that 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 little bit of feeling that maybe was lost but certainly now I think the atmosphere over the last couple of seasons is getting better and better for me Wolves Wolves should stay at Molyneux that's I I think you know that's the personal opinion I I prefer these teams that stay and um, amend their current stadiums Liverpool being a great example Manchester United um, yourselves uh, Wolves I, I think for me that's that's how I, I, I like it done. Everton's yes. is Everton's Goodison Park Goodison Park is one of my favourite favourite away grounds to play at. What's a, what's a place to go and play yes. and watch football? And I hope they can try and recreate that sort of atmosphere that they get there in their in their new stadium because losing these old grounds I can understand it, but yes. it, it, it is tough for people who really enjoy playing and watching football there. And and, and obviously still being involved in football now. I bet you can hardly recognise Wolves, can you? In, in the transition that we've made under Nuno and, and, and the Fawson group, it, it, it's pretty incredible, isn't it, Kevin? I so so good to watch. Um, I think they've been a revelation in the Premier League. And and the thing for me is, but people, you know, people of uh, younger generation don't understand Wolves' history and the fifties and everything that was achieved yes. and what a standing they had in the game. So they just think of them as this new team. Well, no, no, this is a club that is a fantastic tradition. You know, that's a big reason why I came to the club. The tradition, the gold and black. You know, and it's good that younger supporters are getting to recognise. Well, actually, Wolves is a big club, and I hope they keep improving year on year and, and get to win that FA Cup, that League Cup or yeah. even the, the Premier League. I can see it with this with this manager. I can see it. Keeping that team together um, is going to be difficult and certainly one of my favourite players in the Premier League, Moutinho, getting on that little bit, little bit all the time. Yeah. You know, it's going to be difficult to replace that, that standard of player but 
hopefully the manager stays and uh, they can keep improving and improving year on year because I, I want to see Wolves at the top of the league. I want to see Wolves winning trophies. Brilliant. Thank you, Kevin. And um, we, we did briefly speak about this before the interview. You're very lucky because you have never had a job outside of football, have you, Kevin? No, no I left school at 16. I'm 53 now. Um, I feel fortunate. Um, at the same time I said to you, Jace, I, I think I worked hard at it and I think I'm yes. pretty good at it um, in terms of the coaching especially. But I am fortunate that all my career I've worked in football, um, been in and around football ever since I was I was born with my dad as well. So certainly football is in my blood, it's uh, in my family. My youngest son is following it on his first team coach at Maidenhead United in the oh, who are in the National League so yeah. you know maybe he, he might go on to achieve things in the coaching world as well brilliant and finally Kevin um if you've got one abiding memory from from your football career uh, it doesn't have to be at Wolves um but one abiding memory what would it be um well, I go with my, I go with my Wolves one because I sort of prepared a little bit to, just in case you ask this type of question about Wolves. My, my one game that I remember at Wolves more than any yeah. was the FA Cup replay at Ipswich away, um, and it was without doubt the best game that I, I played in a Wolves shirt. Um, we won because Ipswich were a Premier League team then. Yes, but they'd come to Molyneux. Um, I think we drew one all, and then we went down there, played a fantastic first half, one two nil. Got up 2-0, hung on at 2-1. But I, I, I remember that as the game where I played my best football for in, in, in a Wolf shirt. And I can remember Graham Turner coming up to me afterwards and saying he thought I was fantastic. And, you know, little things like that stick in your mind. Yes, of course. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for your time on the Wolf Whistle today. Thank you for representing our club. I'm glad you had a great time at the club, but I'm, I'm sad it, it was cut short and it, it wasn't for longer. But I've really appreciated you being on the Wolf Whistle today and we hope to have you back on soon. Cheers, Jess. Thank you.